I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Our goal was to be 1-0 this weekend. And now we want to know. So we don't want too straight. But, I, but I'll tell you this. I think they, they're starting to believe and they're starting to see it, though. Remember now, they hadn't, they hadn't did this. They hadn't, this is, this is kind of strange for them. But you see that they, they, they're playing hard, they're playing fast, and they're not giving up. And it, listen, I called them in the fourth quarter again. It was no doubt eyes. No, it was no doubt in their eyes that they was going to win the game. Yeah, I mean, I just say his, uh, his energy he brings every day is huge and uh, it's contagious. Uh, He's super just involved, and I mean, that's why uh, he's made this, I mean, it's super tough transition anytime a coach gets let go during the season, but he's made it as easy as possible with just how he is as a person and as a man, so that's been really nice. We said it was going to be a street fight, but we said the type of street fight we're in, it's no rounds, it's no time. It's just let's keep swinging, let's keep swinging, don't look at the scoreboard, and at the end, you'll come out on top. Hello and welcome here to this winning edition of the Husker Online Show. It's always a winning edition of the Husker Online Show, but Nebraska wins again at Rutgers. That's two in a row, and as the great manager in Major League, um, Lou Spry, is it Lou Spry, Robin Washett? Notice he says Rob. He doesn't even just bypasses me in the conversation. I know what it's is it, Lou. It is Lou. Lou. I can't remember the last. What's the line? Tim Miles used to quote it all the time when they actually. What's would the win line, Sean? He said, uh, "That's two in a row. You win three, boys. They call that a winning streak." <laughs> now, Michael Severe on Bigger Wrap Up uh, pulled that out uh, uh, this week as well. But uh, Nebraska, a fourteen thirteen winner at Rutgers, and. This wasn't going to make classic sports or BTN's most beautiful football games, but all all that matters is Nebraska won. And Nebraska, as a program right now, guys, is not in a position where they can be very selective in how they win uh, because they've got a lot of warts on this team. They figured it out, and now they're going to face another challenge, Steve Zippel, this week on the road at Purdue. Well, before Sip chimes in, I just want to get this clear because I know there's going to be a lot of listeners upset that we didn't know it's Lou Brown Brown. from the Major League. And he says, okay, we won a game yesterday. If we win today, it's called two in a row. And if we win again tomorrow, it's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So just to get that out there. Two in a row is not a streak. Nope, that's two in a row. Two in a row. Three is a streak. So if they get this one, then they're on a winning streak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, here's the deal. You guys, I, we were sitting together watching the game in New Jersey, you know, in the press box. And at halftime, the, the nature of our conversation is why the hell did we come all the way out here, right? They're playing like they're playing terrible, mm-hmm. Nebraska. We basically came out there for Steakhouse 85, and that was it at that point. <laughs> yeah, that was that, those first two quarters – especially offensively and especially on the offensive line were as bad of a performance as I can remember. I mean, mm. just the inability to do anything in pass protection, to generate any explosive plays in the run game. Um, Rutgers controlled the game in the trenches, and the fact that that score was what it was at mm. halftime was a huge development mm. for Nebraska. That, that, that game should have been 27 nothing. Yes. But, but think about what Mickey told us yet on, on Tuesday, Mickey Joseph. He said the kids came in the locker room and said, 
we don't need to make a bunch of changes. We're going to we're going we're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Bill Bush told me that yesterday too. He said, "Yeah, the kids came in really confident. They were a lot more confident than we were." I'll tell you that. I didn't think Nebraska was no, not with the way they were blocking. Right, and we're ta- I mean, not tackling particularly well either. Yeah, early on, especially those that right. opening drive, and then early in the first quarter. Yeah, there were some really bad missed tackles. It seemed like they were reverting back to mm-hmm. what we saw in those first few games before all the changes. Isn't yeah. it interesting? Go ahead. Sean. Caleb Tanner missed that tackle that mm-hmm. led to like a 43-yard play. And, I mean, they had that screenplay bottled up for a tackle for Henrich loss. Henrich had a few bad ones. and But still, to keep it at 13 nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only touchdown Rutgers scored was the opening scripted drive when Noah Bedrill came out full of adrenaline and juiced up. And it was a beautiful opening drive. He had a great two great touch passes, a nice 21-yard run. After that, Nebraska's defense, it was bend but don't break at that point. And the Blaze Gunnerson tackle that saved the touchdown on the block punt, mm-hmm. that block was punt. was that second quarter? Yes. That was maybe the play of the game. Four-point tackle. Because if, if they go up 14 nothing immediately on that block punt, I don't know if Nebraska mentally has it, had it in them at that moment. But the defense was able to hold them to a field goal. So 10 nothing. Mm-hmm. 7 nothing versus or 10 nothing versus 14 nothing was a humongous difference in my opinion. It was. And then then okay, so Mickey says I, I mean told, who would he tell? He said we we're we got to go out and score on the first drive of the of the third quarter. We have to come out at halftime and score, which they did. So Anthony Grant ran that guy over. Yeah, Anthony mm-hmm. Grant had a kind of a tone setting, caught a pass and then buried a guy in the sideline. And then Casey Thompson, third and 7, throw to Pinpoint throw to Trey Palmer, got him in position to score, threw another nice pass to Vokalek, and bam, we're sitting there going, wow, it's 13-7. We got a game. Mm-hmm. And then they settled in. They set The defense, like Sean said, it was kind of bend, don't break, but they hung in there really and well. And they got turnovers. In the, yeah. Then yeah. they took the game over in the second half. Rutgers couldn't do anything the defense, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm saying. So the, the defense, Ben Bedeau bring in the first half, then when the game was on the line and Brass started getting momentum, the defense shut it down and kept that window wide open. All right, guys, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. We're getting you ready for Saturday's game at Purdue in West Lafayette, ross Aid Stadium, 6.30 kick on the BTN a sellout crowd. Uh, before we delve more into the matchup, one news item of the of the week: Isaiah Garcia Castaneda entered the transfer portal on Tuesday. Uh, why is Tuesday significant? That was the final day players could go into the portal as part of the 30 day Scott Frost firing grace period allowed by the NCAA. Now, any Husker player that goes in the portal <clears throat> must wait until December 5th. Garcia Castaneda. Long and short of it, he got beat out by Alante Brown. He had a crucial fumble against Oklahoma, um, had a fumble that was controversial at at Northwestern, made some good plays, but saw his play snaps go from about 35 at Northwestern to 24, 25, 26 over the next three games. Didn't like that and said, you know what? I want to play more than 25 snaps a game. I'm going to keep my red shirt and, and put my name in the portal. Yeah, and that's what Mickey basically said is that he wanted to go be the number one receiver somewhere, and that wasn't going to happen here. I, <laughs> I like how I don't think Scott Frost would have said that. Absolutely not. And, and if he did said it, say it, it would have come off pretty rough. Yeah, it would have been received differently. Mickey we'll has that. just a bluntness about him, Sip, that just he can say that with with saying it the right way. Where you're like, yeah, I like that. Where Frost said that, I don't know if it would have come well, off. Well, I mean, if Mickey was, if if Mickey was sixteen and thirty one, I don't know if it would come yeah. off well. <laughs> Um, the, you can be brash like that when you're <laughs> right, two and one. Right, right. So I, um, you know, but I, 
I mean, it's sort of interesting to me that how many places in the country can Isaiah Garcia Castaneda go to and say, I'm the number one receiver? There can't be that many. New Mexico State. The place he was just at. New Mexico (laughs) State. But, you know, New Mexico State was one of, like, two programs that didn't play football in 2020. Right. UConn and New Mexico State were, like, the only two that didn't play that year. Yeah, I'm not going to get – we don't need to – I'm not going to be critical of him. He he left. He's he's not part of the program. Good kid. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good kid. He moved on. Now – they're okay. I mean, they're they're okay at receiver. They could use depth, which is why yeah. they moved Tommy Hill over there, probably <laughs> right. Absolutely, because now you don't have Garcia Castaneda, Omar Manning's day to day with an ankle injury. He was on crutches with a big boot on that foot um, on Friday. I saw Played him walking snaps. up the tunnel, and he was laboring. So, really, I didn't see that. Really. Yeah, they say he's day to day. We'll see. Um, but it didn't look good Friday night. Uh, so that you know. Receiver depth was one of their luxuries going into the season where, you know, the, the question was how are they going to narrow it down to a top six? Well, now you got to wonder, I mean, you got two guys that were firmly entrenched in that top six to open the season. They're, one's gone for sure, and one of them might not be there at least for this coming week. So other guys are going to have to step up if they want to continue to have that re- that receiver rotation. Oliver Martin is kind of that fourth, yeah. is mm-hmm. kind of that fourth guy, but yeah. he battles kind of – a mental slash he he always kind of battles bumps and bruises too. You know, you know, Oliver Martin hasn't really proven he can be a 50, 60 snap guy, but they got three pretty good ones. Alante Brown, uh, Trey Palmer, and Marcus Washington. And Marcus Washington. Marcus Washington, Marcus Washington is, it can play now. And those yeah. are their three. It's a really then, good number but two. But then, then it dropped. I mean, Brody Belt, I don't know if he's been hurt, but we haven't seen him on the field. He was, he was out there the other night. Seemed like Wyatt Lever was getting some snaps. Now Brody Belt didn't take a receiver snap no. in the game. He was running. He played running back in the backfield. They might need Brody Belt at running back though. I mean, yeah, the Oliver Martin. I'm glad you mentioned Oliver Martin. Now Oliver Martin played well in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, well, Indiana, no Indiana, Indiana. Right, it was the game he he could Indiana run game. after the Indiana game. Uh, Mickey in the team hotel Friday said the Indiana secondary coach came up and said, "I didn't know that guy could run like that." And he used another word um, to describe Oliver Martin, but they were surprised how fast he could run. Yeah. Um, so Oliver's big in this discussion for sure. Um, you know, we all know who the guy is. It's Trey. He gets most of the targets. Trey Palmer gets most of the targets. But they need a couple of those other guys to step up. Marcus Washington did at Rutgers. Four catches. Probably should have had five. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he's more prominent in the equation going forward. And Bonner, too. He traveled. Jannar and Bonner. I think they want to keep that red shirt on him is my feel. I, don't, I can't imagine they're going to burn his four um, maybe, maybe later in the year, the final four games. He Still got play. four games. Um, so we'll, we'll get into that more. We're going to talk offensive storylines, what to watch at Purdue, and delve into this matchup next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Hi, it's Sean Callahan with Husker Online. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones and see what we find. Learn more at uscellular.com slash built for us. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I think it's the first time winning what, two 
back-to-back Big Ten games since 2018. You know, it's just we want to we want to build a culture of winning around here, but we have to focus on the process and uh, winning on a daily basis. So we're just focused on taking one day at a time and uh, one week at a time. And I think uh, since Mickey Joseph has taken over, he's done a good job of just uh, allowing us to focus on the task at hand and not get too ahead of ourselves. So before we can talk about, you know, any end-of-the-season awards and accolades and goals, we're just trying to take one day at a time. But it's good for us as a team and as a program to get two wins under our belt, and we're looking to uh, continue that win streak. And welcome back here to the Husker Alliance Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Stephen Sipple. You just heard Casey Thompson there talking about winning two in a row, um, closing in on a winning streak here, uh, if they can get a third here on the road at Purdue. But before we get to that, this segment of the program brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill. 30th in Yankee Hill and Lincoln. I was out there this week uh, with with our affiliate, the ticket for some stuff. And I can tell you, there won't be a better place to go in, watch the game, get in there early, get a great table, watch all the college football action on Saturday, highlighted by Nebraska, Purdue, get in there for NFL football on Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Um, not a better spot to go than Tanner's. And by the way, it's baseball playoff season and I'm a little tired this morning because I've stayed up and watched these Dodger games at night. How'd so they do last night? They won. They won game one and they got game two. And so, <laughs> yep, there's a game two. They're they're hanging. <laughs> they're they're right on track, boys. Right. Um, the, Are they? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, they're they're in great shape. They're playing the Padres, who they've owned. Um, so we'll hope that continues. But let's delve in to offensive storylines this week. And I I got to go first with the offensive line. And our other Omaha affiliate, KFAB, I, I on the Husker Buzz this week, they said, I asked one of those questions almost to a political candidate about the offensive line where the political candidate really had to think about what he's done well. I asked Mickey Joseph, I go, if, you, if this offensive line can hang their hat on something, what would you say it is? What do they do well? And Mickey had to think about that for a few well, minutes. Well, he did say, I mean, Mickey, Mickey has been consistent in saying they're a good run-blocking unit, and they're 62nd nationally in, in rushing. I think they've averaged 160 yards, which isn't terrible. But, uh, yeah, listen – They've gotten it together enough that Nebraska's been able to win three games and two in a row and two Big Ten games. So it's not like they've been a complete disaster. But the first half was probably as close to a complete disaster as you can get, especially one of the tackles who never really blocked anybody. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> literally. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in the, pa- in the pass rush, never really stopped anybody. I mean, so they got a. I I, I think they. They got to look at making a change at left tackle. Yeah, I would so, think so. I, I mean, the tackle you mentioned is obviously Turner Corcoran, who scored a zero point zero in his pass blocking grades per fo- Pro Football Focus. That means of the what they have 28 dropbacks, twenty eight true dropbacks. He didn't win a single rep. See, now that's what I mean. When I, he was on the field, well, that's harsh, but. I mean, I mean that, that's, a, not, that's a third-party evaluation. That's not us trashing the guy. That's literally relaying the score. Well, and your that, eyeballs showed yeah, that as well. We watched I mean, it. Yeah, it played out in front of the nation. It was, it was a mean, problem. Right. It was, and so Mickey left the door open that, you know, there could be some further changes. But as we've talked about, there's only so much they can do at this point, personnel-wise. Like, you can maybe mix and match some different pieces, try Brant Banks out a little bit more. At left tackle. At left tackle, move Turner back into guard. Slide him into left guard and see what that looks like. Yeah. That's what I'd try. So I thought he was pretty good at left guard until Teddy got hurt and he had to bounce back out to tackle. So I think he's probably better suited as an interior lineman, but um, that means you got to trust Brant Banks, who has very limited playing time this year. He's done played well against well. Indiana. Yeah, he, he played well against Indiana in the most significant opportunity he's got, but 
that's you know you're putting a lot of trust in a guy that hasn't played a lot this year. How much is it mental too when you look at these guys like Ben Hard and Corcoran, and they see the pro football focus things, they read the stuff, they hear things, and they know how they're playing. Well, I think they're getting beat. Yeah, they, they watch the film on Sunday. Like right. it's there for everybody to see. I mean, Casey Thompson, God bless him. He made the comment. He goes, "I I knew Rutgers couldn't rush that hard for four quarters <laughs> because you yeah. know the, when you're when you're when your best way to stop a pass rush is for them to get tired. That's yeah. that's a problem. I mean, they, they were like dragsters. The, the most amazing set of the game was Rutgers only had one sack. Mm -hmm. One sack. I know that's incredible. On like. Okay. 28 pressures or something. So how, how can you help? Well, they're, they're talking about it at least. I mean, the one thing, you can use tight ends and running backs to help chip. You can – there's something – you get the ball out. Mm -hmm. You can call you know, passes to get the – pass plays to get the ball out quicker, which they don't do a lot of. Mm -hmm. um, I think some of this is on Whipple. I mean, I think Whipple's got to adjust a little bit. Yeah, you the can't way have Casey him. sitting there five to seven seconds in the pocket with that pass blocking and expect it to work. You so can move him out of there more, too. Roll him out. You can do screen passes. Right. You can do right. quick timing routes. I mean, <laughs> I did try screen passing, and one of the, the left guard blew an open field block. Yeah. It, uh, was <laughs> it was there. Right, it was there, though. It was. Well, yeah. on fourth and one, you go empty set. And not run it. I mean, what, what's that tell your offensive line? Fourth and one empty. Yeah, I was that that. <sighs> well, they had just got stuffed on a third and third one. and two. Yeah. That was third one of two. those Pat yeah. Narduzzi Whipple moments right there. Yeah, yeah. If you're not familiar, was, Casey yeah. even said he was surprised. Yeah, he was. He questioned the play call, but then when he saw the alignment, he saw it was there. They had a chance to do it. They just didn't execute the pass. Well, yeah, the DB made a good play on that ball. Um, it was close. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was he threw that ball to Marcus Washington, and it was it was close to completion. I think that defender got his hand in there right at the last second. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk offensive storylines, Nebraska-Purdue, Saturday night, West Lafayette, 6.30. All three of us will be in ross Age Stadium. Running back two guys is, is a major question. I mean – you know, we're like, how are they going to get all these guys the ball and keep them all happy? Well, Anthony Grant's Anthony Grant. After that, Gabe Irvin Jr. is evidently hurt. Rem Toe injury. Ramir Johnson did not travel. Hurt. Don't, we don't know what that don't is. Don't know what it is, but that, that's a bizarre one because he's a New Jersey guy, and he's obviously got to be hurt because he didn't go out on the trip to Rutgers. Jacquez Yant, who it felt like they hadn't moved off of, is getting opportunities, and he got that third and one carry where he was stuffed, which led to the fourth and one pass, they just don't have a great number two option right now. Well, it could be Yant. And I mean, A.J. Allen got hurt. Y Yant looked good. His legs look live on his carries. Uh, he's not great in, on short yard situations, no, which is odd. 230-pound. Right. He runs pretty ball. high. He yeah. runs pretty he high. He kind of tiptoes yeah, a little he does. bit. He runs pretty high, and then what happens, he gets cut, and then his face ends up in the turf, short of the first down marker. Um. So, but he's good. I thought he looked good the other night. He had night. a 10-yard run. He yeah. looked fresh. Yeah, his legs looked live. I think that they have something there. Now, you, you just wonder if you can get Irvin back off the toe injury. See, that's my thing. Like, in, in my opinion, Gabe Irvin is the clear number two. Like, I think he is by far the, the, the next best yeah, they need him. back. And uh, this further highlights how big of a blow losing A.J. Allen oh. was. I mean, if A.J. Allen is healthy against Rutgers, I mean, that running game is probably rolling. 
just because of that one-two punch that they had, his ability to um, avoid contact and gain those extra yards, like not having that, oh. especially with Anthony Grant, you can see he just he looks a little heavy-legged, fatigued. He looks a little heavy-legged. We see Brody Belt take some running back snaps. You know, a year he ago could. he started at Wisconsin. It looked good, and he looked good. So he, he, you know, but now people are going to look back at the stats and say, "God, simple, he ran for under ten yards or whatever it was." His his. <laughs> But his legs look live, and he went into contact hard. You know what he does? He does his job. Yeah, and and you know, and that's important. Like he runs in the hole, uh-huh. he, he follows the play. Uh-huh. But yeah, with the blockings out there, I don't care who who's running the play. You could have Adrian Peterson in his prime; it wouldn't matter. Yeah, that's why those pro football focus stats are great. Anthony Grant had forty-seven yards rushing the other day, other night, and forty-five after contact. Yeah, that's <laughs> forty-five incredible. after contact. That gets your attention. Yeah, and with Grant, or sorry, with Irvin, uh, I think the fact that he traveled and that he dressed, mm-hmm. and he's close. With all the way through warm-ups, mm-hmm. like it can't be that significant. So hopefully he'll be back this week. All right, when we come back, guys, we're going to shift over to defensive discussion. It's two straight games now in the second half where Nebraska's not allowed a point. We'll break down Bill Bush's defense next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Uh, whatever it takes, uh, and, and that's up to Coach Mickey, up to his standard. We Nobody knows what they do to deserve it or to earn it, and that's the thing about the, the standard that we hold, that the standard is never reachable, I guess, in a sense. So I just got to come out every single day. You, there's not a day that allows you to lack of that standard or lack of the effort or lack of the violence and tenacity when we go out there. So it kind of keeps you on your toes to keep doing it. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett. You just heard Ty Robinson uh, with the question. That I feel like we ask all the time now, when are the black shirts coming back? Where are the black shirts they don't know yet. They've played pretty good defensive football the last two weeks, but um, those black shirts not out there. Surprise, guys. No, um, at this point, no. I mean, what? No. So, are, are are we redoing what the black shirts are? Are they a standard? Are they are they to identify the starting defense? Because I feel like we run into this kind of purgatory of what the black shirt is. The black shirt's supposed to identify the starting Nebraska defense, but it's also been kind of morphed into you have to meet a standard yeah. to be a starting Nebraska defensive player. I think that's what it's more about now. Um, it's it, I don't think the, the actual function of identifying your 11 starters is <laughs> – that's we're well beyond, beyond that. Mm-hmm. And the fact that all the previous coaches have played games with it, taking it away, giving it back, mm-hmm. doing different points when they're going to give it out, all that stuff like – I don't know. I think it's lost a lot of its luster for a lot of fans just because of how inconsistent the program has been with how they handle that. And what what mm-hmm. does the standard mean? Each yeah. each coach has their own definition. So how do how do fans expect Well, to know? you keep it you keep okay. I mean, this year you can't really blame the staff for removing the black shirts after they no. gave up 642 yards at Georgia Southern. Um and then 580 to Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma could have named the score. It could have so, been 700 yards in that game. And Oklahoma <laughs> called off. It was, you know, they were on pace for 700 at halftime. So, yeah, it's, it's a tricky conversation 
I mean, you can't really justify keeping those black shirts on those on those guys after those games. So you got to remove them. Mm-hmm. So it puts the coaches in kind of a difficult spot. It'd be nice if the if it was 1997 and you could just keep them on all year. Um, they don't they don't give up. <laughs> you know, Georgia Southern. Come on. Um, so now, so now, yeah, it's tricky. So now, when do you give them back? Not after Indiana. Not after beating Indiana and Rutgers. Now, if you go beat Purdue, and you know Aiden O'Connell, who's the second best quarterback in the Big Ten, Jeff Brom, who's the best play caller in the Big Ten, he's the best play caller in the Big Ten. Brom is. Um, if you go on the road and beat them, give them back. They should get those back. If you go in those circumstances, beat a team that's. Two and one in the league with a quarterback who's going to play in the NFL for a long time. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to be a starter for a long time, but Aiden O'Connell will play ten years in the NFL. He was All Big Ten second team, I believe, last yeah. year. If you go on to, if you go and beat them, they they should have their black jerseys waiting for him on Monday morning. I thought Ty Robinson had an interesting point, though. He brought up the scenario where they give him back at the end of the year. Like mm-hmm. he said, even if we have to wait till the end of the season to get him back, I'm fine with that. So that could be a potential option it where maybe they dangle that carrot out all year where mm-hmm. you have to it's not just a game to game evaluation mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. what's your overall body of work and did you meet the standard over the course of a season of what the black shirt is mm-hmm. and then maybe evaluate at that point yeah because it's dangerous like i'm saying give them back after purdue and then they get housed by illinois two weeks later well i get probably housed by illinois but they might get housed by michigan yeah. in the house i mean that, that's what i'm saying like <laughs> if you make it week to week we're going to con- keep talking about this i think mm-hmm. you know i think maybe the end of the year is the best way to go at this mm-hmm. point you look at uh, this Purdue offense and, and what they do. I think there's some things Nebraska can that match up well. They're, number one, Purdue's not going to really run the ball effectively. They're essentially on a third-string running back, so that gets your attention. Purdue does have a vulnerable offensive line. They're thin on their line. Mm, good point. Their tackle play is vulnerable. Good point. I think Nebraska can get after them a little bit with the pass rush, but can they force Aiden O'Connell – into bad throws, and he's been prone to bad throws. Mm, like, no, he, his decision-making, he's gotten his butt chewed by Jeff Brom mm-hmm. a year ago at this time. And then against Nebraska, he kind of had one of his page-turning games. I mean, that game in Lincoln, there weren't a lot of deep throws, but he just diagnosed four- to eight-yard throws that entire game because that is their running Four game. to eight yards. See, that's the thing. They don't throw it downfield very much now. So people thinking – They diagnosed the pre-snap. People wondering, is Nebraska going to get boat raced? I just don't think they're going to right? because because of what you said. They don't – Purdue does not run the ball well, and they don't really throw it downfield that well. No, they don't have David Bell and Rondell Moore. I mean, they have a six-year senior Charlie Jones. Banged up. Who only basically plays on Saturday and doesn't practice for the entire week. Last three weeks. And, you know, so he's hurt. I mean, he came from Something's Iowa wrong, yeah. with an injury, and, you know, he's battled through it. Um, so – they, they've got guys, but... This ain't Ohio State. This, yeah, and I think their offense is more the brains of Jeff Brom. It's not necessarily right. the the Jimmys and the Joes as much as it is the X's and the O's. I mean, Jeff Brom makes those guys better with what he draws up on Saturdays. So when it comes down to a coaching matchup, how I personally feel a little bit better about Nebraska than I did <laughs> with the previous defensive coaching staff just what i mean the, the game against uh, georgia southern Nebraska's defense just got schemed out of their own stadium mm-hmm. and same thing they against did. oklahoma and so they did i think just as far as a scheme and mm-hmm. adjusting mm-hmm. and being able to counter some things that some new wrinkles that purdue might throw at them i trust this group 
more mm-hmm. just because I think Bill Bush has a little bit better handle on it with, oh, with, with being able to be more adaptive. I, yeah, I guarantee you Bush is hardly sleeping at all this week. I, get, I, 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 bet, I bet he's literally getting zero sleep. A lot of it's going to be on him and just that the coaching staff mm-hmm. being able to not just have the right scheme in place, but being able to adapt for what Purdue does. Yeah, Guys, let's talk about the secondary, though. We mentioned in the open Tommy Hill, now a receiver. I mean, how about Brandon Moore, Bam, as he's referred to by everybody in the program, coming in for Quentin Newsom, Malcolm Harstog, you know, getting an interception, having his lumps in the road. But if I would have told you in August that Nebraska's two starting corners would be Brandon Moore and Malcolm Harstog closing out a football game on the road in the Big Ten Conference, nobody would. You would have said, "I bet you a thousand dollars that wouldn't be the case." Yeah, I would have said, "Chins is probably gonna get fired." Um, <laughs> or, or, or that, or I mean, that. When in August are we talking here? When did Brandon Moore even get here? Right. Yeah. August eighth. So was there you it, go. Was so it August? 8th? August first? No, I would you know not that? tell you that. Sean, was it August eighth? August eighth. Is that yeah, right? He, he didn't, so Drew didn't get here till August eleventh, and and Brandon Moore. August yeah, Bam 8th. Bam got in here oh, almost ten days into camp. Okay, I mean it was they had already practiced for over a week when they announced him on the roster. He he has only played, I think it's five games now since two thousand nineteen. He only played one game in two thousand nineteen. Hurt, got hurt the first game. Twenty twenty twenty. Florida he played, State. Yeah, he no no he was still at UCF in 2020, 2020 still at UCF and he got hurt again or didn't play maybe one game. Florida State in 2021 he didn't play at all, so so he now now he's 25 years old by the way. He picked six Joe Burrow though in the Fiesta Bowl. Yeah, that's right. And then he had a huge fumble strip against Navy that helped seal 2017 the undefeated season for Scott Frost. 2017. There, so, yeah, we're dating ourselves here. Yeah, well, he's dating himself. <laughs> 2017 that was he he turns 26 in That's February. when Tanner Lee was the starting quarterback at Nebraska by the way. That's how long ago that was. He's as old as Robin and Abby. <laughs> I don't know if he's quick that quite got me yet. 20, well, you Maybe look, Abby. Maybe. 26 26 in February he turns. That's amazing. Casey's 24. It's like BYU around here all of a sudden. Now, Jeff yeah. Brom going against like these Chris guys Winky? this week with a real quarterback, that's that's the litmus test right there. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, this isn't uh, injured Noah Vedral. or Noah Vedral. Yeah. Or... It's like this is a significantly deeper challenge, and uh, we'll see how they respond. And I'll say also the road environment, too. I mean, this is the first time. they Mickey kind of blasted the notion that Rutgers was a sellout. It was a decent crowd. It was loud. Yeah, and they did great with their light show and all that yeah, stuff. And their but, sound show. But it wasn't this, like, horrible. Oh, they blasted that. I mean, those speakers and yeah. Rutgers. They, I mean, did, they had good production. The stadium is what it is. But what did it feel like, Sean? A New Jersey nightclub. Yeah. Not that I know, but apparently you and Rob yeah, know dudes this. Dudes in tank tops and sunglasses, yeah. fist pumping in the stands. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was good. Yeah. It was live. Just it was down in the weight room. But anyway, this the Purdue atmosphere is going to be much different. And you know, it's listed as a sellout as well. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot closer to a real sellout than anything Nebraska. Oh yeah, Sean knows all the all the hotel rooms are booked. You mm-hmm. can't get a hotel room. Six hundred and some bucks for a hotel room in oh, West Lafayette. Oh, Arlo. Hello. I wouldn't be able to. We didn't pay that much, though, boys. And we're, we're, we're staying walking distance from the stadium. Okay. So we're, we're in good shape. You, we're at the lovely Union Hotel. So I'm, I'm looking forward. The Union forward. Hotel? Yep. It's a uh, Marriott boutique property on campus in the Union of boutique. Purdue. So use that word when you can use it, right? <laughs> All right. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> you typically are not associated with us. <laughs> All right. When, when we come back, we're going to take questions in the mailbag. Abby Barmore. 
will join us next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. No, no, Whipple, Whipple's fine. You know, Whipple's fine. He's dealing with some things, but it's not getting in the way of him working. You know, he's, you know, shorter for the game. We had to put him on a cart. I mean, Whipple's been coaching like 40 some years. He should get a cart if he wasn't dealing with something. You know, he, Whipple's okay. Whipple's tough. Whipple's probably tougher, the toughest dude on the staff. You know, nobody don't mess with Whip, so Whip's okay. I want you to ask him that question too and, let him, and then let him get after you. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sibble, Robin Washett, as you heard, Mickey Joseph. Uh, talking about Mark Whipple, the underground inside world in Nebraska football. A lot of rumors about Mark Whipple this week in, in the underbelly of Nebraska football fan world um, that you know he, he's battling some things. And we saw it with our own eyes uh, that he was on a little surgery scooter um, and used a cart. And now, you've been doing 33 years, Sibble. Do you use a cart? Well, I, I, we, now, that's your call. Um, at what point do you, does Husker Online get me the cart? <laughs> we're, we're fat in your next deal. Yeah. But Mark Whipple, fine, um, according to Mickey Joseph, as they get ready for this week's game at Purdue. And joining us now, Abby Barmore, as we take questions in the mailbag. Abby, let's, let's get going. All right, here we go. The offensive line needs help. Wow. Um, does Nebraska have any defensive linemen? Does Nebraska have any defensive line then that could move to the offensive line to help them out? I don't think you can do it right now, but Nash Hutmacher is the logical one um, because it doesn't seem like it's really clicked for him on the D line like they thought. And he's he's a athletic body. Would he better be suited as an O lineman? And that may not be this coaching staff's decision. That might be a new group of coaches next year. Who knows? But I, I think Hutmacher is where I would start. Guard. I mean, I think of him as a guard. No doubt. Not a, yeah, not a yeah. center. He can't be out in space. Yeah. Because that's probably his biggest issue right now on the defensive line is just that lateral quickness. I mean, he's great straight ahead. He's as strong as anybody on the team. But uh, if he does make that move, guard is a no-brainer. Yeah, he's not as twitchy as they probably wanted him to be or want him to be. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be the one. Is there anybody else um, – on that defensive side that you would look at, I I don't think so. No, though. I mean you got Ruquan Buckley and Mosai Newsome and Jalen Weaver. Mm-hmm. Weaver's now yeah. now hold on. Weaver looks like a tackle. Yeah, Weaver is one you'd look at. I think I saw Jalen this week, and you, know, you just wonder if it's ever going to turn on for that kid. It just he's well, got, Sean. Now hold on, he's a freshman. Se- Redshirt freshman, se- second, second year, year freshman. Now th- this is the thing that's interesting to me. Now, this is where my age comes in. And not, you're, not that yours doesn't come in here, too. You're not exactly a spring chicken over there. <laughs> I'm not young, um, young the, Sean Callahan. Right, right. Sean, remember when you covered the program where it would, no redshirt freshman linemen were playing? Mm-hmm. It, it was usually they get to the junior year, sophomore year. If a guy played as a sophomore, you're like, oh, wow, they're already playing him as a sophomore? So I, you don't give up on Jalen Weaver. He's got to get it. he's got to get his body right though. Right, Ruquan Buckley. I mean, me and Rob were interviewing all those guys this summer, and I I, I sat across the table from Ruquan Buckley, and he just flat told me, "I'm not ready. Mm-hmm. I'm not ready to play." I, he's he said, "I'm ready physically, but there's so much to learn." So give him time, Sean. 
Sure. Are, you, are you surprised that only one player entered the portal during the, before the mid-season deadline? And what does that say about what Mickey is building? Not really. Um, I don't know what you gain unless you were Isaiah Garcia Castaneda that was sitting on that four-game redshirt line mark. That made sense for him to go in because he was one game away from losing the year of eligibility. I don't know if there's anybody else because Ramir Johnson has already redshirted at Nebraska his freshman year in 2019. He played four games that year. Now, he was hurt with a shoulder thing that knocked him out, so maybe they could medical and apply for another deal. Who knows? That's always complicated. God, those are complicated. Um, they're never that easy like to, to get the hardship year. Uh, but, I no, I'm not surprised. I mean, I, I don't know why you would pull out right now when everybody else can go in on December 5th, what's the difference? Yeah, I think the only guys it made sense for is a guy like Isaiah Garcia-Castaneda who is dealing with you know some injuries, was still coming back off that injury. He missed all spring, was limited during fall camp. And so you know being able to preserve his red shirt, give himself a chance to just fully get healthy for when the portal opens back up after the season, sure. I mean, I guess you can kind of uh, justify that but anybody else like what's the point like where are you gonna go you know you're just gonna sit at home and train by yourself as opposed to being with a power five football team like that, that doesn't make any sense so yeah i mean the the timing of it if this would have been a total disaster and people just wanted to get out of here then maybe but uh, they got some good vibes two going one. Why, why wouldn't you want to be a part of this two and one to big ten so you're telling me garcia castanilla appeared in four games that's right mm-hmm Okay, four we got to make that clear. Yeah, one more, and he and that was his red. So he still has two more years of eligibility that he can use. Yes. Right. A lot of people just thought he would redshirt and stay here. The, it was the fact that he jumped into the portal that kind of threw people off. But and that, and that now they're going to make a coaching change, yeah. maybe, maybe. So I get it. There's I an advantage it. though because now he's in there before everybody else gets in there. So he's kind of an easy target. Yeah, you know he, he's going to go somewhere decent. Like he'll because there's a lot. He's got a lot of advertisement right now. You know, on December fifth when you go yep. in, that's a good point. There's going to be a thousand guys that go in that yeah. day. You so just get lost in the. He, shuffle. He's got a nice billboard right now for two months. <laughs> Isaiah Garcia <laughs> Castaneda. There it, was, yeah. there it was. And how many times you see guys enter the portal and then they have nowhere to go? So now he's going to get the first crack at it. To where if a spot opens up, he's going to have first dibs. Two more, Abby. What do you got? Yesterday was the one-month anniversary since Scott Frost was fired. Only one month. Yeah, it's been. there's been a <laughs> lot that has happened. So what has been your biggest surprise since he was fired? Oh, <laughs> there's been, been a lot of... <laughs> Take um, that in. Oh, I'd say the, da- I mean, the, Davison, the Davison news. Um, that, how quickly that developed. How quickly the Davison taking over um, NIL operation... Unravel. I mean, not unravel, but but unfolded. <laughs> not unraveled. Unfolded. That's that was that's big. The yeah. biggest shocker to me. The NIL world too. I mean, it, it, ABM was in the power seat, and now they're kind of on the way out, transitioning to eighteen ninety. But it appeared that the Big Red Collaborative uh, with Matt Hickey and and Chris Brown and Joe Petsek was kind of kind of move into the Catbird seat. And then what? Then the Pete family decided, hey, we. <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, their billion-dollar portfolio of businesses is now going to back Nebraska's NIL efforts. And there'll be two at least publicly endorsed Trev Alberts collectives, but the Peds being located in Lincoln and with taking over the client book of ABM, they're going to be in a pretty nice position to, to, to lead the NIL charge. For me, it's just the fact that Mickey and this staff were able to keep it together. I mean, you can say what you want about the quality of competition they played. 
the team that we saw against Oklahoma looked like they were ready to just check out. Mm-hmm. And the job that this staff, even after firing guys, <laughs> you know, lots of turnover with the defensive coordinator, all that sort of stuff, um, moving new pieces into full-time roles. Like, there was a lot of shakeups on that staff. And to keep this thing not just from totally blowing up, but to make them actually competitive, and there's a, a sense of belief starting to happen there, <laughs> I was, I'm was i very surprised because – Bill Bush is a surprise. The squad we saw on Georgia Southern Oklahoma, that looked like they were ready for the season to be over with. I mean, just getting Bill Bush to where he's at to get that defense going, mm-hmm. two straight second-half mm-hmm. shutouts. Yeah, the turnaround defensively has been nothing short of incredible. Right. I mean – and. It, now, now you go to Purdue. Biggest test for Bill. Yep. I mean, this is the no biggest doubt. test. Yeah, it's not like they faced the um, Dick Vermeil St. Louis Rams here the last two weeks. Yeah, they made Georgia Southern look like the Kurt Warner and Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt and Marshall Falk. So <laughs> they did. All right, Abby, final question here in the mailbag. Where are some mandatory places to eat in West Lafayette? Ooh, guys. Well, guys. Okay, the top place to go for entertainment. <laughs> Is Harry's Chocolate Shop. Yes, it's it a is. Bar. It's a bar, not a chocolate I shop. I would rank it top two or three. <laughs> Come on. They have food there, though. They have food. They do. They have good food. Oh, it's they a bar. Good burgers. It yeah. is one of the most iconic bars in the Big Ten. And their third, like, niche drink is... Uh, the Baltimore Zoo. Baltimore Zoo. Don't get it. It's if like you go eight, there. It's like eight shots. You will regret it. It's literally, like, every worst alcohol they have, they have to, like, blow dust off of it, and they pour, like... Everything into a glass, top it off with some grenadine, and then there you go. We made the mistake of getting duped into that. and Our first year there. It was and, a and It was an 11 a.m. Yes. game, and the next day was rough. Don't What's it called? It. A Baltimore Zoo. It makes you wonder what the Baltimore Zoo's like. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like what, why was that the name chosen? Right. Was there a bad experience like, in Baltimore? I wonder what the Baltimore It is the like. strongest drink you'll have anywhere in your life. Okay. And I, I'm not, no dice. And, and, and it, it's all the worst alcohol And it's mixed all together. well liquor. It's terrible. Don't do but it. But in general, they probably... Maybe after the game. <laughs> it, it, Depends on how it goes. In general, they probably pour the stiffest drink at that bar of anywhere that I've seen anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Food, um, food, Bruno's Pizza. But okay. it's, it's right takeout only now, though. Bruno's oh, Dining Room, not open. Oh, that's a why is that? COVID. Because that's, um, that's a cool place. They have a whole bunch it, of, like, Purdue. I'm just going to bite my tongue. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get you. I was trying to get you. I was trying yeah. to get, get you. Me, though, I was trying to, trying to turn it before <laughs> things got dicey. <laughs> Ain't good movies lately. <laughs> but, yeah, Bruno's Pizza. There's a really good Irish bar or ra- Irish nine restaurant. Bro- nine Irish Brothers. Yeah, Nine Irish Brothers. That place is Triple good. X Diner. Oh, yeah. If you want, like, a, like old school, like, 50s diner, hamburger, fries, milkshakes. Triple, Tri- X? triple X. Okay. Real good. Um, and then, you know, Drew Brees has got his uh, walk-on sports bar mm-hmm. there now. It's in the Union where we're staying. Um, and it's a Cajun-themed, you know, it's a Ooh. it's a national yeah. chain. Uh, but that might be where I'm watching Michigan-Penn State. Where are we going for dinner? Do we have reservations anywhere? I think we're going to do Chocolate Shop. That's dinner? Well, we're trying to get into the hotel. They got good burgers. The Union Hotel has got a phenomenal top-end restaurant completely booked i've um, oh really i think we've got we get free breakfast there and we got a reservation for breakfast we want it okay uh but dinner it's it's packed i mean our friends at golden black they're shocked that we got rooms in this place they're Mm -hmm. like wow how'd you get rooms let alone for what we got them for speaks more to the actual sellout on saturday where this is a big game for purdue and i think a lot of isn't this the alumni game we're like parents weekend parents weekend yeah and so there's going to be a pretty decent amount of nebraska fans traveling too so it should be a great weekend in West Lafayette. It's a fun trip. I think a lot of Nebraska fans generally make their way out there, um, and and we'll have great coverage. And we are going to go live post game again. So mm-hmm. 
and we'll get it figured out. We had a good, we had great numbers. I mean, over 10,000 viewers and 5,000 podcast downloads on the post game show. So we know people want that post game show and uh, we will put that on again and we'll get some of the mic issues figured out this week. So um, make sure you get on the Husker online YouTube page or later on on the podcast channel. But when we come back, let's talk big 10 games next. You're listening to the Husker online show. You're a podcast listener and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Isaiah has that right. He wasn't happy. He wanted to be the number one guy, and we couldn't do that for him. But Isaiah's a good kid. He's done everything we asked him to do. But that's the reason they have the portal. Coaches leave all the time. Coaches leave all the time. So when kids, when the kid leaves, you can't sit back and be angry at him. You got to say, hey, if I can help you in any way, let me know. Because that that's being real. That's being real. Not yelling and screaming at him, saying, I want you to stay here. No, if they want to leave, then they have that right to leave. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. That was Mickey Joseph giving a very good 2022 answer to transferring as it's not easy for old school coaches to say what Mickey Joseph just said there about Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. But um, we're going to break down Big Ten games, what we learned last week, what we're going to be watching here on Saturday. Um, Indiana played Michigan tough for about two two and a half quarters, but Michigan wins 31-10 last week. Purdue as a road underdog wins at Maryland. That's a big win for Purdue. 31-29. Aiden O'Connell, who we'll see this weekend here in Purdue, threw for 360 and two touchdowns. Payne Durham, their standout tight end, had seven catches for 109 yards. In the Jimmy Leonard era, um, off to a bang in Madison, 42-7 over Northwestern, who falls to 1-5. and And Ryan Hulinski only had 147 yards passing, those great running backs, uh, they, they didn't even show up on the stat sheet for, for Northwestern uh, that we thought were great in, in Ireland. Um, Ohio State, 49-20 to 20 over Michigan State. Sparty now 2-4 and four overall. Ohio State 6-0. and oh. C.J. Stroud, six touchdowns, 361 yards. He's the leader right now for the Heisman Trophy. And then Iowa gets beat at Illinois, 9-6. to six. Classic Iowa football game. Illinois edges it out and gets the win. Chase Brown, story of the game, 31 carries, 146 He's a beast. against a very, very good Iowa defense. Hawkeyes can't run it. Their receiver depth is still questionable. Sam Laporta had eight catches as 104 yards. is more of a hybrid tight end split. And obviously Nebraska takes out Rutgers. Gentlemen, thoughts on what we learned in week six? Game to me, obviously, was the Purdue game. Um, I thought Maryland was uh, you know, one of going to be the dark horse teams in the conference, and they were favored um, by three points in that game, and Purdue went in there and, and won it, and it was in dramatic fashion. I know there was some controversy about the the two point conversion Maryland had yeah. to tie it that got wiped off the boards by what? Uh, it was a by Ill- illegal, illegal formation. No, 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 ineligible receiver. Ineligible receiver. That's ineligible right. receiver on a two point conversion. The, the The Big Ten zebras got to stay out of this. Yeah, that was sorry. <laughs> that was. A I'm sorry. What, what are you call You're calling a. Call. Ineligible on a two-point conversion. I know. I, Give me a how far downfield can you get? I know exactly. exactly. So, but the fact is, Purdue got it done. They're four and two, and now Nebraska's playing a team that's uh, starting to feel pretty good about itself. I thought. Now, all due respect, Rob, I thought the game of the week was Illinois beating Iowa. 
Illinois. It's hard beat, for me to say nine to six is the game of the yeah, week. but they're five and one. <laughs> I know. And it's, I mean, I think <laughs> Illinois' position in the West is what he, you're probably referring yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the fact that how about how about Brett Bielema has wins now against Wisconsin and Iowa, his alma mater and his former team, yeah. both in year two, in year two, Nebraska fans are envious. Now Bielema's got a running back. Rob mentions a beast. Chase Brown is a beast. He's he's really a tough runner and he's fast. He's scary for Nebraska. Because he is he is a guy that can take it to the house, mm-hmm. but he's tougher than hell. Mm-hmm. Um and their their defense is really good. I mean, that's a really that's a legit defense. In fact, Illinois third nationally against the run. Third nationally against the run. Wisconsin's performance impressed me. Um, yeah. They go on the road to Michigan State this week. And if they win that game, they're back in the West. And so, can Jim Leonard oh, yeah. continue that? Because big game, huge game for Wisconsin. Let's get into the Week Seven matchups. You got some. Uh, let's go down the 11 a.m. games first. There's only five games this week. There's four teams on by um, Minnesota at Illinois. Ooh. That's a that's a BTN game too. Big um, 11 a.m. Gophers are favored by mm-hmm. six and a half. Favored. Wow, by six and a half. In mm-hmm. Champaign. That's a big number. That is a big number. On the road. And that that's with Mo Ibrahim questions. You know, is he is he healthy? So that's an interesting line. And then Penn State at Michigan, that's the other eleven AM game on Fox. That's probably what we'll be watching at Walk On's Bistro. You won't um, be watching you won't be watching Minnesota. I'll have, bo- I'll have them both on. Right. That's why we go to a sports bar. <laughs> yeah. Um more than one TV. Michigan is a seven point favorite. And then we've got a couple of two thirty-three clock games. Maryland at Indiana doesn't do much for anybody. I mean, can Maryland get that win? Is is what they're eleven point favorites on the road. And then you've got Wisconsin, who is a seven and a half point favorite in East Lansing. Man, those are odd numbers, by the way. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's seven and a half at East Lansing. Strange. And then obviously Nebraska is a two touchdown dog. Nebraska has the most points on them of anybody on point spreads this week. Um, Indiana's plus or a mi- minus eleven. Nebraska minus fourteen. So every other spread in this league, like it is most weeks, is a touchdown or less. Other than Indiana on Maryland and Nebraska against Purdue. So interesting that that Nebraska number. I think we all were surprised how high it was. I was expecting, and I said on the post game show, I thought it'd be seven to nine ish. I didn't think 14, 13. That's a big number. Well, I figured it would get bet down eventually, but here we are Wednesday morning. I don't think it's moved all that much. So maybe there's some uh, hesitancy from the general public to bet Nebraska, but the sharps usually weigh in at the end of the week. And so that's by about Thursday, Fridays when you start to see the injuries for Nebraska. Newsom, yeah. Reimer, Volk. Yeah. What do you think, Sean? You're the old. You're the insider. Is Newsom gone play? What I think is read tunnel talk. I'm not going to give away all of our tunnel talk on the free <laughs> show. Boy. I think Reimer's got a good shot to play. Um, they, you know, Quint Newsom's got a groin injury that always scares me with a corner because of those, those linger. Move, yeah, and then the, the movements they got to make. Um, I think Reimer will play. I think Reimer's their best player on defense. By the way, he's playing really He's well. Playing like it. Yeah. All right, well, that wraps up the show. Make sure, again, you check out HuskerOnline.com. we got a great annual special. $10 gets you a year of Husker Online. Also, make sure you check out our postgame show. Robin, Sip, and I will be on live um, probably around midnight or so. Uh, we'll have it on the YouTube channel live, and then we'll re-air it as well on the podcast channel. So make sure you catch us after the game as well. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.